Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 9.30 a.m. April the 26th, 2019, and Bitfinex. No, I'm sorry. This is episode 88 of Bitcoin and and Bitfinexed. Boy, wasn't that fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Some other things. Uh, we'll do uh, Vitals, Marty's Bent, Daily Trainwrecked. Uh, I'm not, there's just nothing left of Torchlight uh, that I can do anymore. So I'm going to put that on the shelf for the foreseeable future. Um, but we'll do um, Satoshi's Treasure and uh, the Terrible Joke Corner, and then we'll be out and get on with our weekend, which I hope is a really great weekend for everybody, especially after <laughs> last night. Woo-hoo. Oh, like I said, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. I was getting bored, and then all of a sudden, the first tweet hit my screen from Frank, uh, and w- wow, I just watched like a stampede occur. But let's get into something else first. This is from uh, Max Hildebrand. Max is traveling. Uh, I think he was at the port of entry at Customs in Germany, and he tweets out, the thugs from Customs are stealing 55 euros for importing a calculator at Cold Card Wallet. We need a solid entrepreneur like Lysander Spooner to build a private shipping company to obliterate this tyranny. If someone wants to do this, please reach out. I'll support wherever I can. Okay, so apparently, and I, I mean, I don't travel it's not that I don't want to, but I also don't have an itch to travel. I mean, if I want to travel, I'm going to go to Colorado or something like that, be in the mountains. I don't need a 12-hour plane ride to take me somewhere to tell me that my life is is worthwhile. Um, those of you that do it for business, I get it. You know, it, it. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just like, I'm just ignorant when it comes to this kind of thing. And I was really taken aback that you can't cross a border or at least Germany's border without having to pay somebody to keep a calculator. I mean, essentially if you pull out a cold card wallet, it it looks like a calculator. You just say it's, it's calculator. But I mean, even if it was a real calculator and, and here, and this was my question my iPhone has a calculator on it. Do I have to pay 55 pounds to bring that son of a bitch through? This is, uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, and, and I'm still trying to figure out the logistics of it. Do they just like rifle through your bags and then inventory everything that could possibly be on a customs list and then give you like a menu of what you can keep and what you can't, depending on how much money you decide to pay them? Is that how that shit works? Is it your on, you know, your the luggage that you carry on with you plus your bags? Is it only the bag in the cargo hold? Is it both? I mean, I find the whole thing 
you know, that you have to pay again for a calculator that you've already bought just to bring it across a border is probably the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. So I was, my ignorance is showing here because I do not do international travel, but really, God, just this world is just weird. It's just weird is populated by weird people that want weird shit from other weird people who don't really have the money to give weird money to weird people so that they can take their weird stuff across the border. It's just stupid. Okay. Um, we have a hashtag and another. So this one apparently just, as far as I can tell, it just happened. Um, this is, let's see here. Bitcoin Cash SV, BCHSV, delisting announcement from CoinX. Okay, so let's go ahead and do this one. At Coin, this is their the delisting um, uh, announcement from CoinX, and this was done this morning, April 26th. Uh, probably, yeah, okay. At CoinX, our primary focus, be it while la- listing or delisting a coin, is always centered on doing rigorous research into various aspects of the project. Even if a certain project seemed promising at the time we listed it, when it is no when it no longer meets the expected standards, we conduct a comprehensive review and potentially delist the coin. In response to the hashtag delist BSV movement led by Binance, Kraken, and other major exchanges across the globe, and our own research into the whole scenario, we have decided to delist Bitcoin Cash SV from our exchange and, and express platforms. Here are a few factors that we consider during our review. Responsiveness of the team behind the project, progress in the developmental activities, stability of the network and the smart contract, evidence of malicious practices, team's official announcements. Also, our team paid due attention to our users' feedback and the considerable support for the movement further accelerated our decision to go ahead with the delisting. Please note the deposits for BCHSV will not be processed after 11.59 p.m. IST on 27th April. Oh, God, that's tomorrow. Holy shit. 2019. Damn, they're moving fast. The tokens will not be tradable on CoinEx Exchange as well as Express, our instant crypto-to-crypto converter from 11.59 IST on 4th of May 2019 onwards. Post the deadline, all orders on the order book will be canceled automatically and tokens will be returned to their respective coin wallets. You can withdraw your tokens until 11.59 p.m. IST on the 11th of May 2019. So they're, God, they're just burning this thing down. Um, yeah, that's it. So that's that's the CoinX announcement. So rip BSV one more time. that's just, uh, what, okay, we'll get into the vitals and look at its stupid-ass price here in a minute. Uh, I have a tweet in response to Nathaniel Popper. Uh, Okay, so let's, which one do we want to do first here? Um, Nathaniel has, uh, on April 23rd, wrote a piece in the New York Times, after the bust, are Bitcoins more like tulip mania or the internet? Now, I'm not going to read it because Nathaniel's stuff is just, it's just grating on the nerve. So, and, and he's always wrong. So it's not worth it. 
But he said something that was really, really telling uh, in response to uh, Tur Demeester, who says, what do you make of our take, Daniel, that Bitcoin's value and adoption should be measured insofar as it's used as a savings instrument, i.e. digital gold? Nathaniel responds this way, that's a possibility, but to understand if that is happening, I would want to see an effort to identify actual savers who view Bitcoin primarily as a way to preserve their wealth rather than investors who buy it as an investment with the hope that it will go up in value. So my response to that is, never before in the history of humanity have so few misunderstood so much and disseminated that woeful ignorance to so many. I, want, I would want to see an effort to identify actual savers. Let that sink in, and I'll say that one again. I would want to see an effort to identify actual savers. And I know what he's getting at, but he fundamentally doesn't understand how Bitcoin works. That is really evident with that one statement. If you make that statement, then you, and you're serious about it, then you don't understand how serious of a effort that would actually be. It's impossible. Only the people that would want you to know who they are, connect their wallet address with their address, with their, I don't know, driver's license or passport or anything like that. Only those people would be counted among Nathaniel's, I guess, poll or whatever it is that he would want to run. Most of the people will will opt not to do that. I, I certainly wouldn't do that. <clears throat> So whatever information he were to get at such an endeavor would be heavily skewed to people who also probably don't understand one of the major value propositions of Bitcoin in and of itself. So if you're if you're reading Nathaniel Popper's stuff, keep it in mind that he clearly does not seem to understand even the basic tenets of this technology. So yeah, there you go. Calvin Air. I'm going to just remind everybody, um, I don't want to get too far into this, but he, uh, his team, oh, okay, he, he basically announced that, you know, BSV is getting adopted to, you know, or is going to spo- sponsor this, you know, soccer team, right, in Scotland, and it's like, oh, okay. So I go and look at it, and sure enough, it's Air United Football Club. Okay, so it says Calvin Air, a man behind longtime sponsors Bodog, has founded a new site on the cash craze, cash craze following his own successful investment. His CoinGeek.com will step in as our official new backers with shirts to carry the logo Bitcoin BCH. Where is this from? Last year, April 10th, 2018. If you don't remember, Calvin Air basically with great fanfare announced that the Air Football Club was going to, you know, was was picking up BCH as a sponsor, Bitcoin Cash. Okay. This is pre-BSV. And the way that it was carried in whatever media picked it up 
somehow forgot to mention that the Air United Football Club is owned by Calvin Air. Essentially, they didn't pick it up. They were forced to wear that shit on their uniforms because Calvin owns them. And now it's taken him months after the split of BSV to announce that he's doing the same shit again with the same football club and forcing them to wear BSV on their uniforms. Okay, so this is almost almost to the day, one year later, that... Be anyway. It's just what it, it it. The reason I'm bringing it up is that you have to know two things. The Air United Football Club is owned by Calvin Air, so they are his employees. They will do whatever he tells them to do. The second thing is, at first, remember, don't ever forget that Calvin Air and that other idiot were all together on Bitcoin Cash, BCH. And then they split, and then it's almost as if it was an afterthought that Calvin said, oh, God, you know what? We need to change our sponsor. Took months for him to remember that he's got to get his BSV crap on on Air United Football Club. So, again, he owns Air United Football Club. It took him this long to figure out that he needed to change the sponsor. I just the, the lulls alone is enough to just keep you going. Crim de la Crypto has a fascinating thread uh, on Twitter, um, and it's it's a sort of a it, it's a summary of a medium post that he has. And I'm not going to read the medium post, but I do want to read uh, Crim de la Crypto's uh, summary that he's kind of threadified here. And first one up, it says, "I just published. Lightning is only the beginning. The emerging Bitcoin stack." <clears throat> And then there's a link to the to the Medium article. So number two is Lightning is likely an important building block in the emerging Bitcoin stack, but expectations for Lightning's impact in the immediate short term are excessively high. Lightning will li- <clears throat> Lightning will likely be one important layer among many in the emerging Bitcoin stack. To think Lightning will be the only layer that fast, cheap transactions is all we can do with programmable money is like thinking the internet will only be used for sending messages faster, that email is the only use case, and only the post office and fax machine will be disrupted. Instead, Bitcoin's components and protocols built atop the Bitcoin network will act as building blocks enabling Layer 3 and beyond. As the number of building blocks grows, the number of unique combinations from that suite of building blocks grows exponentially and the probability of useful combinations of those building blocks increases significantly. Ultimately, Lightning is an important component in the emerging, in the emerging BTC stack, but it's only the beginning. As momentum coalesces around the Bitcoin protocol, we're entering a unique period in BTC's history with compelling opportunities to deploy capital with teams building on Bitcoin. Yes, see, this is what I've been... He's basically been able to nutshell a whole bunch of different thoughts that's been going around my head for a couple of years. Uh, I am in agreement. And, And this is, you know... This is one of the things that kind of gets me and has been getting getting to me over the last year is this notion, like especially before uh, the lightning paper dropped, that there there can there can be only Bitcoin 
I heard it, you know, I heard it a lot and I'm not talking about, you know, going off into shit coinery. I'm just saying that only the Bitcoin blockchain itself is the, is it, it's the only thing about Bitcoin. And that's not, that's not true at all. Um, and then because, and, and it wasn't true because then the lightning paper dropped and it was like, oh shit, all of a sudden somebody figured out a way to, to use the Bitcoin blockchain in a completely different and compelling way. And now it's like, people are going, okay, well, that's not going to, that's, that helps with scaling, but it's, it's not going, you know, it, it, and then point out all the flaws of lightning of which there are some flaws. So what to th- the real flaw here is anybody who goes around thinking that now there is only Bitcoin and only lightning. And because of the, the inherent flaws in both those systems that, um, th- you can't scale and you need a shit coin. W- I'm waiting for the third situation, Bitcoin being the first, Lightning Network being the second. I'm waiting for the third one to come out. And when it comes out, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be the same shit. Oh, well, there's the flaws in Bitcoin and there's flaws in Lightning. And here's the flaws in this this third thing that has yet to be named, written up, designed, and released. And that's all there will ever be until the fourth thing comes out and then the fifth and then the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. It's more, it's easier to look at Bitcoin as an organic creature that is not only growing like a child grows. Okay. So think of, I was thinking about this last night. <clears throat> think about this way. If you have children and you watch them grow from an itty bitty baby into a, you know, a, like a, a crawler and then a toddler, and then they're running around jumping and turning somersaults, and then they grow up and they get married and they have children of their own. You know, that entire cycle is fraught with change from one day to the next. And anybody who's got kids knows that, or anybody who's been around kids, even if you don't have your own, if you've taught children or been with in a room full of children for any longer than, you know, where you see them every day for over a week, you'll, they change. Now think about another facet of organ of organism structure is the thought of mutation where as time goes on and things become iterated that there are these weird changes that occur in the genetic language that new offspring have these either new talents or they don't possess old talents, or you can think of it that way. What Bitcoin is, is both at the same time, a mutating child as it grows. If you cannot wrap your head around what that means, then you're always going to be stuck in the position of going, it can't scale. And everybody made the mistake with the internet Everybody made that mistake with the internet, including Time Magazine from an article out of, what was it, 1995. And they were, they were so woefully, woefully wrong. Don't be Time Magazine. Think of this in a completely different way, in a much more organic way, because it's easier to figure out what the future looks like, and you won't be so caught off guard. <laughs> Okay, now talking about getting caught off guard, um, Texas is my 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 most beloved beloved state. 
in the union because I was born here and, and I live here um, is holding the beer for somebody who just did something really, really stupid. And Texas says, Oh, you think that's stupid? Hold, hold this beer. So at rep Stevenson has submitted HB number 4371 to the Texas legislature. The public hearing is today. And I, I'm tweeting this out to Trace Mayer and Caitlin Long to ask, do you guys have any advice here? It would be appreciated. And then I link to the uh, to the bill itself. Now, I'm going to read this bill so that you can experience the absolute idiocy with me as we go. The bill is really, really short. But in that shortness, it is breathtaking in its depth of financial terrorism. Remember, this is by Representative Stevenson from Texas, a bill to be entitled an act relating to digital currencies, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Texas, Section 1, Subtitle A, Title 15, Business and Commerce Code, is amended by adding Chapter 662 to read as follows. Digital Currencies. Digital currencies means an electronic form of currency that can be denominated to sovereign currency and employs the use of a distributed ledger. Two, digital wallet means an electronic device or online service that allows a person to pay for transactions. God, they can't even get that right. Using digital currencies. You don't pay for transactions. You make a transaction to pay for goods and services. See, this is, don't take the whole of Texas by the idiocy of Rep. Stevenson, please, because, yeah, most of us can actually read and write. Continuing on, distributed ledger means a structured data representation that grows only by appending new data, authenticates users with strong cryptography, and leverages economic incentives to encourage users to manage and secure updates. Verified identity digital currency means a digital currency that allows the true identities of the sender and the receiver to be known before a person has access to another person's digital wallet. Section 662.0002, verification of identity required. Now, people, this is where the mess really starts. A, before accepting payment by a digital currency, a person must verify the identity of the person sending payment. A person is not required to verify the identity of a person sending payment if the payment is sent by a verified identity digital currency. B, this state may not use a digital currency that is not a verified identity digital currency. There are That's a statement that says Bitcoin would be illegal in the state of Texas. Section 662.0003, Verified Identity Digital Currency Awareness. A, the Texas Department of Banking Credit Union Commission, Texas Department of Public Safety. That's that's our, the the, the DPS, Texas Department of Public Safety. uh, That's who you get pulled over by on the highway if you're going too fast out out in the counties, right? Oh, God. And state securities board shall collaborate to encourage the use of verified identity digital currencies. 
to have a law enforcement agency the size and depth of the Texas Department of Public Safety, quote unquote, encouraging the use of verified identity digital currencies should scare the piss out of you. B, the agencies listed in subsection A shall, one, provide tools for people to distinguish a verified identity digital currency from digital currencies that allow users to remain anonymous. Not going to happen. You guys do not have the prowess to do this. Two, educate law enforcement agencies on digital currencies. You Again, you don't have the prowess to understand how to do this shit. Three, promote the use of verified identity digital currencies. By what? At the end of a frickin' gun? C, going back up to the original subsection, the Finance Commission of Texas, Credit Union Commission, Texas Department of Public Safety, and State Securities Board shall adopt rules to implement this section. Section 2, this act takes effect September 1, 2019. So if this thing passes the House and gets to the Senate and those idiots in the Senate pass it in the Senate and it gets to Greg Abbott's desk and that son bitch signs this thing, man, first of all, I'm not even worried if they do sign it because I ain't telling them jack shit. And there's no way they can enforce this anyway. Top to bottom, terrible bill. People, I don't even... I don't even know where to begin with this. The whole thing is so cringeworthy because you got Wyoming as a state. And even if the legislation that's coming down out of Wyoming is being criticized as being really ambiguous and it's this and that, at least they're not trying to write ambiguous shit that kills it. So if if this were to happen, one thing that would happen, it wouldn't affect me, but if I had a Bitcoin business and there are like 150 of them in, in the state of Texas already and more growing every day, then um, a whole bunch, like a bit, I think Bitstein is in, um, or Bitstein is in Texas. And um, I know Jimmy Song is, you know, I mean, they'll, they may move. And what I, what I postulate, and I've, I've written to the governor, I've made phone calls and I've, I've told them that two things will happen. One, whoever, whatever rep and senator signs this, I will not vote for in the next election cycle. And I, and I don't even want to go vote anymore, but I would haul my happy ass down there to vote just to vote against these people who would sign this manner of financial terrorism terrorism as an instrument. It's just, it's bizarre. But the second thing I told him is that if this happens, you will see 150 companies pack up shop and move straight to Wyoming where they're actually welcome. And we can either take part of that as the state of Texas, or we can watch Wyoming do it. I would much rather both of our states do this stuff because then sort of New Mexico and Colorado, which are my two other favorite states because of the beauty, not the politics, but the beauty, um, is between Wyoming and Texas. And if we were to both do that, then it may actually, you know, cause a squeeze of of those two states. And then you get a whole block of uh, Bitcoin-friendly states all in one. And then at that point, that's in the, basically the center of the United States and it would grow like mycelium out from there. All right. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But if you're listening to this and you are a Texan, find out who your rep is, 
Find out who your state senator is. This is not a federal bill. This is a state bill, which is even more bizarre. But so finding your your federal senator and your federal rep is not going to help because they won't know what the hell this is. It's the it, this is at the state level. So find out who your state rep is. Find out who your state senator is. Call them, and they'll usually have two offices. They'll always have an office in in Austin, and they will always have an office in whatever, like the biggest city of whatever the, their district is. But they, in some of the bigger districts, they may actually have more than one office. So if you got to call them all, okay. So both Senate, uh, both state Senate office and both, uh, both offices for your state rep. Okay. They both have to be notified because it makes, especially at the local, when you're getting down to the local, make that local call, they will call Austin. So call Austin first. And then when you finish with those guys, call the, the rep's local office, and then that office will call back that same day, most of the time, back to Austin and reiterate what you just told the guys in Austin. And it will, it, it's like throwing, throwing spaghetti up against a wall twice and see if it sticks. So, okay, so let's get on up there. Um, oh, okay, so that hearing did happen yesterday. And we had we had our boy uh, Frederico Chavez Torres on the ground at the Senate building, or not the Senate building at the Capitol. It was one of the, one of the offices to, for the public hearing of this thing, and he says the following: Testimony over. HB forty three seventy one was pitched as a security need and a regulatory framework. Tell me where the language an entire regulatory is set up. It's unfounded, it's costly, and a wrench in Texas economic development. Call your reps. This is serious. Hashtag Stop Texas HB 4371. Um, one more thing, one more tweet that goes on to that was uh, our guy Santiago Gonzalez was at the Capitol. And he says, and this was 10 hours ago, says, just left the Texas Capitol where I gave public testimony against HB 4371 to the Texas House Pensions, Investments, and Financial Services Committee. This anti-blockchain bill would infringe on the right of right to privacy in cryptocurrency. Well, it'll do more than that. It basically shit cans any kind of sovereignty that the state or the, the state citizenry has, but it also shit cans future sovereignty of the state of Texas itself. So keep that in mind. And again, if you're a listener and you're in Texas, call your reps, man, take time, find their numbers, call your reps, tell them to bag this thing because it's just stupid. Oh, okay. I guess we should just go ahead and and continue on with stupid. Frank Shapiro, Scoop, NY Attorney General, sues Bitfinex and Tether. Theblockcrypto.com has, uh, let's see, I don't, that's not the one that I want. And that's not the one that I want. And that is the one that I want. New York Attorney General sues Bitfinex and Tether to unearth quote-unquote fraud being carried out by the firms. Yikes. By Frank Shapiro. This is April the 25th, 2019, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. This is from theblockcrypto.com. <clears throat> the New York State Attorney General is suing Bitfinex, the cryptocurrency exchange and affiliated firm Tether, the company behind the stablecoin of the same name. <clears throat> the 23-page document 
dated April 24th, states that the New York Attorney General's Office has reason to believe several New York and U.S.-based traders transact on the firm's platform. In 2018, Bitfinex said it would no longer offer trading to such clients. It said the OAG has an investigation underway to expose, quote, ongoing fraud being carried out by Bitfinex and Tether, end quote, requesting all documentation tied to Bitfinex users in the state of New York. Details from the suit paint a picture of Bitfinex and Tether engaging in, quote, unquote, undisclosed conflicted transactions to cover Bitfinex's losses by transferring money out of the Tether reserve funds. According to the Attorney General's office, at least $700 million U.S. was drained from Tether's reserves. The lawsuit also claims Bitfinex partnered with Panama-based payment processor Crypto Capital to handle customer withdrawals after struggling to find a reputable bank to work with. Despite the significant amount of money at stake, Bitfinex did not sign a contract or formal agreement with Crypto Capital. Jeez. According to the lawsuit, Bitfinex also commingled client funds through crypto capital, meaning the firm mixed funds held on behalf of clients with its own capital. Man, guys, that is a no-no. Quote, according to documents provided by OAG, by respondents, by 2018, Bitfinex had placed over $1 billion U.S. of commingled customer and corporate funds with crypto capital. Oh, man. Quote, as explained to OAG attorneys by respondents counsel, Bitfinex and Tether have also used a number of other third-party payment processors to handle client withdrawal requests, including various companies owned by Bitfinex and Tether executives. Okay, that's a conflict of interest probably. As well as other friends of Bitfinex, OAG believes that Bitfinex required the service of third-party payment processors like Crypto Capital because at the time, Bitfinex had no reliable bank that could work with it. In October 2018, Bitfinex began to struggle with client withdrawal requests per the New York State Attorney General. This was due to the loss or theft of approximately $851 million in funds by crypto capital. To date, Bitfinex has not publicly disclosed the loss of funds. Okay, so that's Frank. Um, That's Frank's take on it. Let's get up into here. Um, And Dan McArdle or Robustus says something kind of interesting that, that kind of starts fitting with this. And this was 15 hours ago. He says, so this morning, coins from the 2016 Bitfinex hacked moved for the first time. And he's got a uh, uh, Reddit uh, R Bitcoin uh, link there. I'm not going to get into that. Because then he says, then a liquidity spike wicked down to 4357 on BTC USD on Kraken a few hours later. Now the New York attorney general action. Okay. That wick down that happened on Kraken. That's a, uh, that's going to be like an open wound. I think, I think people are, have been looking at that, trying to figure out what the hell that was. I'm not going to conjecture as to what it was. All I know is something happened and robustus, you know, I, I don't really even need a tinfoil hat to put these three things together. Because that's a that's a shit ton of coincidence. Bitfinex hack coins moved for the first time. Liquidity spiked down. 
and then New York Attorney General's office. So it would look like somebody knew something was going on. Who knows? We are not anybody who thinks this shit's going to be cleared up in the next couple of days and we're going to know exactly what happened is fooling themselves. This is this this aftermath is going to take a while to clear up. So let's get uh let's go ahead and get on into the Forbes article. Um or or not Forbes, Fortune. Um and the reason I want this one here is because it took oh let's see when did they post this? This was at 8:15, looks like 8:15 last night. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There Yeah, 8:15 EDT, but they don't give a date. So I can only assume last night. This is going to be by uh, Jeff John Roberts from Fortune. And my issue, I'm going to put my issue with this article right up front. The name of the article is as follows. Bitcoin tumbles after officials allege $850 million fraud. Let me read that one. Let me read that again. This is from Fortune a publication that's been in publication for years. At one point or another, I'm sure they had some kind of standards for journalism, but they either lost them or they've put them in a brown paper bag, poured diesel on them, lit them on fire, and threw them out the window. Bitcoin tumbles after officials allege $850 million fraud. The only way that so, that somebody who doesn't know what's going on can read that is that there's fraud in Bitcoin. And as many as as much as people want to say that Tether's important to Bitcoin, I have to say no, it's not. Not to the protocol, not to the blocks every 10 minutes, not to the reward being gained by miners for mining said blocks. No. It may be necessary for people who trade shit coins, but since I don't care about people who trade shit coins or that, or uh, well, I care about the people. Actually, I got a couple of friends that trade shit coins and I, I like them. I, I think shit coinery sucks, but when they make me laugh half of the damn day, um, I'm not going to shit can them because they, they trade in shit coins. Um, but let's just, Let's just focus on the fact that Fortune is using the spin machine or or somebody is using the spin machine at Fortune to make it look like this is some that this is a problem with Bitcoin. It is not. It is not a problem with Bitcoin. This is a problem with Bitfinex and Tether. So let's go. The cryptocurrency markets buckled on Thursday evening after New York's attorney general accused the owners of a prominent exchange, Bitfinex, of using illicit transactions to mask $850 million in missing funds. According to the 23-page legal filing, Bitfinex raided the reserves of so-called stablecoin Tether, a digital currency purportedly backed one-to-one by U.S. dollars in order to pay out customers demanding withdrawals from the exchange. The news caused Bitcoin to fall nearly 6% to around $5,100 and raised questions about the viability of Tether which many investors <clears throat> used as a surrogate for dollars to move in and out of different cryptocurrencies. See, this isn't a problem with Bitcoin. It's a problem with shitcoin trading. That's all this is. 
The attorney general's filing says the funds raised from the tether amount <clears throat> from tether amount to 850 million, according to Chad Cascaria, who is head of a company called Paxos that makes a rival stablecoin, that figure would account for at least 27% in Tether's dollar reserves. Instead of U.S. dollars, the $850 million is instead backed by a revolving line of credit from the exchange Bitfinex. But as the Thursday filing explains, Bitfinex appears to have borrowed that amount in order to cover the shortfall on its own, uh, or cover a shortfall of its own. The filing also reproduces messages written by a Bitfinex executive last August, which plead for capital from a Panamanian payment processor to which it had transferred funds. Yeah, this is the one that they did not sign a contract with. Quote, the situation looks bad. (laughs) You think? (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. We have more than 500 withdrawals pending, and they keep coming in. Too much money is parked with you, and we are currently walking on very thin crust of ice. <laughs> it reads a message from a Bitfinex executive who used the name Merlin. Merlin also warns his contact, Oz, that the situation <laughs> posed a grave threat to the larger crypto industry and the Bitcoin and that Bitcoin could tank to below $1,000 if they didn't act quickly. Yeah. Yeah. If Bitcoin, if, if the existence of something is tied to the existence of that, which sprang out of the first thing, then the first thing has no business living at all. I'm sorry, but that's, this is just, this is ridiculous. This is the way that this is being spun and the way the ignorance in the outer markets uh, is, is seems to be growing about what all this shit actually is, is painful to watch. Continuing on the exact identity the Panamanian payment process, crypto capital, is unclear. According to the Attorney General Bitfinex, which is incorporated in the British Virgin Islands, relied on a shadowy network of money agents, including human human being friends of Bitfinex employees that were willing to use their bank accounts to transfer money to Bitfinex clients. Jesus. See, this is a Bitfinex problem, man. This is, you don't run shit this way. If you run shit this way, it's going to fail. I'm sorry, but there's there's nothing about this that is even remotely ethical. Okay, so Bitfinex did not immediately respond to a request for comment about the allegations. That's all we really need to know. Um, let, let, there, seem, there seems to be an update. We'll say trade. Uh, the update is trade publication. The block reported on Friday morning that $185 million worth of cryptocurrency had been withdrawn from Bitfinex's cold wallets which are the crypto equivalent of storage vaults. It's unclear if the withdrawals represent customers pulling their money from Bitfinex or if they are internal corporate transfers. You know, like I said, this is going to take a long, long, long time to, uh, to tease out. And so they are um, referencing uh, again, the block crypto.com. And uh, they're directly referencing this. So let's read the whole thing from from the block crypto. Nearly 185 million in Bitcoin and Ether was withdrawn from Bitfinex's cold wallets. 
about 1,000, or I'm sorry, about 17,250 BTC, approximately 89 million, was withdrawn from Bitfinex's Bitcoin cold wallet at 6.35 a.m. <clears throat> Greenwich Mean Time. The Bitcoin cold wallet still has a balance of 102,285 BTC, roughly around $525 million U.S. at the time of writing. About 633,000 ETH, $96 million, was withdrawn from Bitfinex's Ether cold wallet today, according to token analyst. The Ether cold wallets still have a balance of 1.62 million ETH, around $245 million U.S. at the time of writing in total. About 20% of Bitfinex's holdings of, e- of ETH and BTC was withdrawn today. It's not immediately clear whether the wallets were fun- uh, where funds were transferred to is also owned by Bitfinex or whether it was triggered by Bitfinex's customers withdrawing their cryptocurrency to their private wallets. But based on the activity of some of the wallets, they appear to be processing withdrawals. The withdrawal follows... The news about the New York State Attorney General's office suing Bitfinex and the affiliated firm, <coughs> affiliated firm Tether, NYSAG claims that $850 million is still inaccessible to Bitfinex and that the firm has failed to publicly disclose the loss of funds. Tether posted an official response claiming that both Bitfinex and Tether are, quote, financially strong. Who does that remind you of? Never mind. And that the, quote, court filings were written in bad faith and are riddled with false assertions, end quote. Moreover, Tether said that the amounts, quote, are not lost, but have, in fact, been seized and safeguarded. I know what seized mean, and I know what safeguarded means, but when you throw those two words together, it's confusing. What the hell does seized and safeguarded mean? What could it possibly mean, man? That's just... That language, I don't know. That language just should kind of give you give you the willies there. So let's see what's what's next here. Okay, uh, continuing on with the Bitfinex news. This is from Bitcoinist.com. Traders pulled out 165 million from Bitfinex in the past 12 hours. So when was this written? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is. Uh, just more details on them pulling out the BTC and the ETH, but that's, that's a hell of a liquidity drain right there. So I don't know if bit, you know, will Bitfinex survive this? It's going to be interesting to find out if they survive. Um, because this is just, and a lot of people said this was going to happen. I guarantee you Bitfinex at Bitfinex who has me blocked. And I don't know why I don't remember ever saying anything bad to him. But anyway, Bitfinex has got me uh, blocked. In either event, you know, if you know who Bitfinex was, the guy's probably dancing and shaking his finger saying, I told you so. I went over in a private window so that I could look at his account, look at his tweets, and it doesn't look like he's celebrating too hard. Not nearly as hard as I thought he would be celebrating. Um, He's actually kind of being low-key about it, which is, I don't know, man, I'm like, Got a fair amount of respect for somebody who's not just gloating the, you know, because I figured if anybody would be gloating, it'd be Bitfinex because he's been screaming about this shit for a long, long, long time. I'm not a trader of shitcoin, so I never really cared about Tether. I mean, I, I just didn't. I, I, I still kind of don't. I mean, it doesn't really affect me. Um, anyway, so Bitfinex seems to have been correct. 
I'm going to go ahead and say that. He seems to have been correct, and everybody was pointing and laughing at him. Um, well, was he re- is he really correct? We'll we'll have to see because this thing is a this thing is a mess, probably on the scale of Mount Gox, and it certainly dwarfs the Quadra Quadriga CX um, stuff that's going on. Uh, we start pulling, teasing these uh, tentacles apart, and we we may find a um, a really really bad mess. And if if it's true that they had their employees using their private bank accounts to move money around, there'd be a lot of people going to jail. The commingling of funds is one thing, but when you've got employees or you get your friends to help you move money, and to, I mean. I, 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 like I said, I mean, this thing is, is a shit show. So we're going to have to watch and see what exactly happens. Okay. Thank God we're, we're out of, we're, we're out of the shit show. One thing I, last thing I'll say about the shit show that is Bitfinex is that I noticed a lot of the OGs, in Bitcoin, not crypto, but Bitcoin, didn't really freak out all that much about it. In fact, lots, you know, lots of people were having a good time and not not gloating, just like basically looking at just how freaked out everybody is, you know, especially when the thing first happened, how freaked out everybody got. But the way that I liken it, and now I've never seen one of these things up close and personal. Okay. I've seen them in movies, right. And shit like that. But I have been up close and personal to like, you know, cattle. And if you've got thousands of these things and they start a stampede for no other reason than maybe somebody accidentally shot a gun or lit a firecracker off, it doesn't take many of these animals to bump into the next animal to start a chain reaction that results in a stampede over nothing. But the wreckage that it causes is extreme. But you got like thousands of animals that stampede. If there's, I mean, houses in the way, cars in the way, kiss them goodbye because they're probably all going to go down. Some of those animals will die in that process. But a stampede that 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 large can be initiated by absolutely nothing, and that's what I saw play out yesterday was herd mentality and fear. And you get herd mentality and fear running neck and neck together in some kind of compressed format, you're going to end up with a 10% drop. I'm surprised that Fortune magazine didn't go all the way to the 10% drop and said something like uh, that it dropped 6, uh, 6%, you know, 6.5%. Because for quite a while, it was at a minus 10%. I was watching the son of a bitch and for at least 15, 20, maybe a good 30 minutes. Um, I was showing, I think I was tracking BitMEX price. I can't remember what I've got on my trading view. Um, I I know that's probably a bad thing to admit in public, but I don't trade. Okay. I'm just looking at prices (laughs) anyway. um, Yeah. Fear and uh, you know, fear and herd mentality in a compressed state is not good. And this is one of the reasons why I only give a shit about Bitcoin. I don't care about stable coins. I don't care about shit coins. I don't care about 
initial exchange offerings. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care because the more complexity that you introduce into this, or rather the more complexity that you complexity that you allow yourself to get off into, the more you are enabling yourself to be in the path of a stampede. If you don't want to have be that wrecked, just be in Bitcoin and, and, and let Calgon take you away, man. You don't have to worry about this shit anymore. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's it for that. Get on Gab is forking Brave's browser, removing bat and integrating Bitcoin instead. And that's Dennis Parker or Zen tags. Uh, Gab is forking Brave and, and Brave is forking Furious by Guillermo Jimenez. And this is from decryptmedia.com. Um, Gab, the free speech <clears throat> absolutist. Sorry, I thought it was a bo- abolitionist. Gab, the free speech, speech ab- absolutist social media network continues to look for creative ways to resist being silenced. Having earned a reputation as a platform that is tolerant of even mo- the most hateful, yes, still technically legal, <clears throat> expressions of speech gab has been booted off virtually every Silicon Valley service imaginable from payment processors to web host providers. Now fresh off having its browser plugin to center the comment section of the internet ejected from the Google and Mozilla extension libraries. Gab is taking the oft use. If you don't like it, go create your own criticism to heart. The company has built its own web browser, a forked version of the open source Brave browser, and will be releasing it within the next few weeks. Gab CEO Andrew Torba tells Decrypt. But Brendan Ike, the CEO and co-founder of Brave, isn't taking it very well. <laughs> Quote. Answer this. What kind of parasitic forks and open... Oh, Sorry. What kind of parasite forks an open source browser to get an extension distributed to people who can already work around silly app store bans? <laughs> Ike wrote on Twitter, quote, Brave is for users who dare to take back control of their data. Someone who wants a detached comment system can use dissenter. Torbus says he doesn't understand the controversy. Quote, the entire point of open source is to allow others to build upon an existing code base and add more value. He says, adding that Brave itself, quote, is a fork of the Google Chromium project from which it benefited greatly. Quote, open source projects are forked all the time. GitHub even shows the fork count on every repo and the community uses it as a badge of honor. I can't imagine any legitimate reason why Brendan or anyone else would have a problem with this. Ike did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment, though it appears that his tit-for-tat with Torba began after the Gab founder criticized Brave's use of the native bat token, which Torba previously described as a joke. Because it is a joke, guys. I mean, bat, basic attention token, just use Bitcoin. Or or fuck, just use Litecoin. I don't know. You don't need, I don't need a token for my left big toe as opposed to another token for my left pinky toe. This is stupid. Okay. All this, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. And it's also stupid that Brendan would be taking issue with this for the same reason that Andrew Torba said. Now you can either hate Gab or like Gab or be indifferent about Gab. But if you put your project up on Git and you make it a public repository, expect your shit to get forked. And if it does get forked, that probably means you did something right in the first place. 
I use the Brave browser all the time. That's my go-to browser. Not because of Bat, because it is a vicious ad blocker. I mean, it is vicious. I don't always use it. I mean, I, I do use like, or, or I will take the breaks. It'll, each tab allows you to take the breaks off. So people that I really respect in the space, um, I will take the, I will take the, uh, the ad blocker off for their page and brave browser will remember it. So when I go back to their page, I'll get ads and kind of help support, you know, support that person. But if I don't know where I'm going, like if I, you know, like if I just opened up a brand new browser and go to a link that, that I'm like trying to research or something like that, I've got the brakes on and brave does a really, really awesome job at, at blocking crap, you know, cause I don't want to see it everywhere. I don't want to support wall street journals ads because they got, you know, it's wall street journal, screw them. Um, but if, if for whatever reason that gab is able to, uh, make a stable version of brave and, and strips the bat token out and puts Bitcoin in, I will use it if it's stable. Okay. I mean, if it's not stable, if it's not a stable product, I can't use it. So we shall see, but Brendan getting all pissed about that is, is a little weird. And I, th- I think it really is just about, um, uh, just literally just about the fact that bat token is going or, or bats going nowhere. Last thing in the stack. Best way to use Twitter is to mute at the first sign of stupidity with every mute. You improve the average IQs of the tweets you read. Safedine Amis. <laughs> Thanks, Safe. That's really good advice. Anyway, that's it for your morning roundup. Vitals are brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. Right now, we have BTC at an average price of $5,266. The high is going to be over at uh, Bitfinex at $5,376, and the low appears to be over at GDAX at $5,143. 374,000 transactions were made over the last 24 hours. I'm really surprised it's not more than that. Transactions per hour, average per hour is right around 15,000 with 1.5 million BTC being sent in the last 24 hours, meaning that 65,000 BTC were sent every hour on average. Average transaction value was 4.18 BTC and the median was 0.38 BTC or right around 200 bucks. Block time is low, I would imagine so, at 9 minutes and 48 seconds. The reward or uh, fees per block is looks like it's about 0.6 BTC, and the total rewards over the last 24 hours is 88.35 BTC. According to this, we've lost 4.37% hash rate in the last 24 hours, yet we are well above uh, where we were on Wednesday show. We're sitting at 46.792 exahashes per second. Last GitHub commit was yesterday, the 25th of April. Left to right, Ethereum is 155, Bcash is 266, Litecoin is 72, BSV is 55, Ethereum Classic is 5.5, Dogecoin is 0.0025, and at 43,612 transactions over the last 24 hours, 
crushes the shit out of BSV and is pretty much hanging in there with Bcash. Bcash has got 51,000 and seven transactions over the last 24 hours, and that will be it for your vital statistics. I got a song for you. Um, I do not really like country music, except I love Johnny Cash. Okay, so those two things being said, I can't really say that I don't like country music. What I don't like is crap. You know, like modern country music, the majority of it is garbage. However, it like you know, I, I, I'm not a guy that's going to sit sit around and listen to a whole bunch of Willie Nelson. Right. Or, you know, any of the other what would be considered, you know, country and Western great stars. I don't I don't own any of their albums. And it's not it's it's just I like rock and roll, man. Led Zeppelin, Floyd, Rush, Van Halen. I mean, that's that that's what I grew up on. And I did not grow up on country. However, every once in a while, a country song does come out that um, I really, really enjoy. And one of these, the song that I'm going to play for you today is The Hole from uh, Randy Travis. And Randy Travis is one of the greats in in country and Western. Um, This song is about basically digging yourself a hole. And all the while, you think you're digging for gold. And so keep that in mind with... You know, keep the this song in mind over the next few days with the Bitfinex fiasco. Keep this in mind with shit coinery. But more importantly, keep this in mind when it comes to your reputation. Stop. We're seeing it with like several of the people that that were really well respected um, last year and the year before that and the year before that. Essentially, have taken their reputations and lit them on fire. And, and as I've expressed on several occasions, either through Twitter or on the show, reputations in this space are flammable AF. Um, in, in fact, they're damn near explosive. So anyway, take it away, Randy. himself a shovel, said I'm gonna tunnel me a mine. He said I'd be a rich man, happiness is what he thought he'd find. Got in too deep to see the diamonds, down too dark to see the gold. Now he won't let go of the shovel, and he can't dig out of the hole. Deeper and deeper, he's going down, driving his future. He hears me calling, but every day I pray and I hope Somehow he finally gets a message, every spade of dirt he throws Only gets him closer to the devil, and he can't dig out of the hole Deeper and deeper, 
Maybe we could learn a little lesson Maybe this channel a little light There's no healthy way to mess with The line between wrong and right Use the one chance you've been given Cause once you're in the ground and cold It's too late to start living You see you can't dig out of the hole Deeper and deeper He's going down Driving his future Right into the ground He thinks he's closer Further he goes But he's still on the bottom And he can't dig out of the hole It's hell on the bottom And you can't dig out of the hole Marty's Bent for Thursday, April 25th, 2019, issue number 470, Assume UTXO Proposal. James O'Burney writes, The basic idea is to allow nodes to initialize using a serialized version of the UTXO set rendered by another node at some predetermined height. The initializing node syncs the header chain from the network, then obtains the loads, obtains and loads one of the UTXO snapshots, i.e. a serialized version of the UTXO set bundled with the block header, indicating its base and some other metadata. Based upon the snapshot, the node is able to quickly reconstruct its chain state and compares a hash of the resulting UTXO set to the <clears throat> preordained hash hard-coded in the software, a la Assume Valid. This all takes 23 minutes, not accounting for the download of the 3.2 gigabyte snapshot. The node then syncs to the network tip and afterwards begins a simultaneous background validation up to the base height of the snapshot in order to achieve full validation. Crucially, even while the background validation is happening, the node can validate incoming blocks and transact with the benefit of the full assumed valid UTXO set. Snapshots could be obtained from multiple separate peers in the same manner as block download, but I haven't put much thought into this. In concept, it doesn't matter too much where the snapshots come from since their validity is determined via content hash. What does Marty have to say about this? Friend of the bent and fellow beefy Bitcoin boy, James O'Burney recently took to the Bitcoin dev mailing list to propose the inclusion of an assume UTXO functionality within Bitcoin Core. This would allow someone to quickly download the Bitcoin blockchain from scratch using snapshots buried deep in the blockchain to assume certain states. Yikes. Once downloaded, a user would be able to receive and send transactions while the full state of the chain's history downloads in the background, eventually catching up to the tip of the chain and discovering any shenanigans that may have occurred while using the assumed state. This proposal is sure to be met with a lot of controversy as checkpointing is something that is very much frowned upon in Bitcoin as it presents a vector of centralization to be exploited, I certainly fall into this camp. In no way should checkpointing be the default setting as it, as it, in my opinion, incentivizes complacency in node operators and introduces more social friction around the determining of the checkpoint. However, I am also a believer in making Bitcoin more modular, robust, and offering as many features as possible to satisfy the growing number of unique situations that Bitcoiners may find themselves in. Being able to toggle on <clears throat> an Assume UTXO download via the node GUI that comes with a warning 
of the trade-offs involved with using checkpointing and downloading the full state in the background after a quick download seems reasonable to me. That being said, I am but a lowly newsletter peddler with very little technical know-how. Am I crazy for believing this? Is checkpointing in some cases okay? Should this be anywhere near Bitcoin Core? Do already existing solutions make it irrelevant? Sound off, final thought, vampire weekend type of morning for your boy. All right. <clears throat> yeah, this certainly is checkpointing. Uh, there's no two There's no two ways around that. Uh, hard to be for it. It really is. It's, it's hard to be for it. But it's also hard not to be a realist. Okay, so as this... It, this may this may go nowhere or it may balloon into a you know a a sizable shit show like scaling debates which was more than sizable if you remember um one thing that will happen with this is it is immediately going to be used and I'm, I'd be surprised if it hasn't already been done it's already immediately going to be used as why you shouldn't trust blockstream because blockstream Okay, I mean, God, we'll get into that later. Or Bitcoin Core, because, you know, know, Bitcoin Core is, you know, evil or some such, whatever. It's, it's, most of us know that that's all bullshit, but mark my words, if this thing, you know, gets out into the open, it will be used by people like Ver, Calvin Ayer, Craig Wright, to do everything they can to say point fingers and say things like, see, we told you that's why BCH is the best, or that's why BSV is the best. And they're not, they suck. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's a centralized pile of crap chain. So don't get fooled. Um, I recommend looking into this, um, to see exactly what's going on because the technicals are, you know, like Marty's not technical. I'm certainly not all that technical. Um, but, I get it. And if something like this were to be implemented, it better be implemented with a default state of off. That's, I guarantee you, if it's default is on, it's, it will, it will be a propaganda fest for all the people that hate Bitcoin, the actual Bitcoin. It will be a propaganda fest. So guys, watch out. Anyway, that's it for uh, Marty's bit. Thank you, Marty. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Cobra Bitcoin. My biggest regret of 2018 is dabbling in Bitcoin cash. Most of my BTC I either mined or bought below $100. I lost only a few million dollars on BCH, but lost even more net worth with the bear market bringing down everything, hoping for a bull market soon. So more backpedaling from people trying to salvage what's left of their their reputations, it seems, because he's not the only one. Memory dealers, also known as Roger Ver on Reddit, says... I still hold BTC because BTC has the biggest network effect of brainwashed noobs that like it. Plus, seasoned investors that hold it because of the brainwashed noobs coming into the space. 
don't underestimate the power of its network effect. You know what else you shouldn't underestimate? Waking up from a night of binge drinking and then realizing about all the memories coming back into your head about how you fucked up years long relationships with people that you'll probably never, ever be able to talk into being your friend ever again. That's what I wouldn't underestimate. That and the flammability of reputations in this space. Satoshi's treasure is going to be short because, you know, there's not a lot of activity in the week. Uh, after they drop a Sunday, you know, cause their, their key drop is on Sundays. So in last Sunday, it took five hours for the puzzle to be solved. So, uh, let's get into, to what's gone on. Um, in, in fact, about that five hour thing, it's, uh, Toshi treasure, which is the, the official account for Satoshi's treasure, uh, tweets out puzzles for the puzzle God keys for the key throne. And they're retweeting elementary voice that says, quote, this clue is pretty hard, end quote. It was solved during the five hours I was out enjoying Easter dinner. You lied. You've created a puzzle-solving monster. It must be fed more puzzles. <laughs> so, yeah, there's so again, there's not a whole lot. But eight hours ago, uh, apparently something was updated on the Satoshi Treasure website, which is, I think it's satoshistreasure.xyz. Uh, freaking underscore awe tweeted out, let's do this. And it's a screenshot of that web page. And it says it gives all the, the web page basically gives all the keys, uh, and when they were released and you know, and if they were found or not and the clues that, that are necessary to be able to, to do that. Okay. So all that said, <clears throat> we have the keys that are, that are already up are the Jade key, the Bismuth key, Mar, uh, Mamaru's key, the Leparine key, and they've added the hunted key, but soon is the release date and no, it hasn't been found and no, there's not a clue. So they're getting, looks like they're getting ready to, to, to roll for this Sunday. Um, let's see. What is this one? Oh, okay. Uh, John Cantrell 97 says happy to announce SMS relay for Ordo is now live. Do you want to receive all clues without having to give hashtag Satoshi's treasure your phone number? Well, now you don't have to. Ordo will instantly relay all SMS clues to the Ordo channel in your Discord service. And then there is a uh, ordobot.com is where you can go get that. So already people are, are fashioning tools for what's going to be probably a very long hunt which is something that at J-L-E-O-N-A-C-T-A iterates. He says, this is 16 hours ago, if hashtag Satoshi's treasure keeps releasing one key per week, it will take eight years and three months to get to the 400th key. 
I wonder what the price of BTC will be by then. Okay, so that's a really good point. Um, I've kind of I didn't do the math, but you know I, I realized that it was going to be a long hunt. But wow, eight years. Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to accelerate. Is is what I think is going to end up happening. I think they're just kind of beating the bushes and shaking the trees. And they're already finding good fruit falling out from that. So I think, now this is 100% conjecture, but they're not going to, if they're, if they're planning on an eight-year, three-month uh, treasure hunt, I don't think, it's. I mean, it is a million dollars on the line, or at least in, in today's prices. Um, but still, eight years and three months, I don't know, man. I don't see that happening. So what I'm looking for is, at one point or another, Satoshi Treasure is probably going to accelerate uh, the treasure hunt. Then, anyway, so that's going to do it for Satoshi's treasure for the day. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat. You kill vegetarian vampires with a stake to the heart. Yeah. Uh, let's just let's just let that one die right there. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, hope you guys have a really good weekend. Uh, you know, the, the Bitfinex thing is what the Bitfinex thing is going to be. Um, I, there's just probably going to be FUD and we're just going to have to be on guard. Like we've always been on guard and not let it, you know, don't let it get to you. This thing's going to be a monster. It's either going to be, you know, sooner or later. It, there's no, there's no way to know. Just, you know, keep thinking about not trading shit coins or not even Bitcoin itself. One of the things that I think about all the time are all the companies that are spawning out of Bitcoin, out of the, this idea uh, and things that are like games, like Satoshi's Treasure that are being spun out. And there's and content creators like me are starting to, you know, there's a whole bunch of us that are. You know, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of this. And a lot of this doesn't have to do with the price. It's a whole industry that's being created right underneath our feet. And if you just have the ability to just, if you can't even afford Bitcoin, but you have some abilities to be able to operate in the Bitcoin space, do it. Do it, man. Because it's a whole industry. I don't see it going away. Bitcoin, okay, Bitcoin uh, price crashes to $100. Yeah, there will be a whole lot of Bitcoin companies that just die. But guess what? There's going to be a whole lot of Bitcoin companies that figure out how to survive. The industry is not going away. You can either be part of it or or not. But the industry itself, I don't actually, I think it's actually already decoupled from the price. Because even in the bear market, I've seen more stuff built below $20,000 per coin than I saw above $5,000 per coin before it hit $20,000. The rate of, of which people are entering the space in one shape, form, fashion, or another is astounding. And because of that velocity, not the velocity of Bitcoin transactions, 
not the velocity of its price, not the velocity of the amount of money you can lose by being a shitcoin trader. No, it's the velocity of the people in this space. I look to that. That is my number one fundamental analysis tool is who's building what, and I can't even keep up. To me, that's bullish. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.